Welcome to Oops, I Talk Politics, a left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics and the culture surrounding it. I'm Ryan, and on today's special episode, we have a special panel that's going to be taking the place of all the other jerks that are usually here. So, our new version of Sly is Lauren. Hello, everybody. And new Phil is Alana. Hello! And new Daryl is Helen. Hey there. So you, the, our listeners probably know Helen from Falling in Love Montage. So let's just give a little bit of context for everybody else. So Lauren, are you a crazy right-wing conservative or a radical leftist? <laughs> uh, I'm definitely mo- like to the farthest left of the political spectrum you can possibly be and still function in America. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Alana, on a scale from... Reagan to Stalin, where do you fall? Oh my god. I mean, Ryan, that's not really a good... (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible, terrible I know, that's a joke. No, I'm definitely to the left, but I don't know if I'm, you know, fascist dictator to the left. I I wouldn't call fascist dictator on the left anyway. (laughs) I mean, if we're saying Stalin is the, the farthest left we can get, I mean, I'm not commandeering a secret police or anything at this point so so where do you fall on the scope of american politics i would say i'm pretty progressive probably but sometimes i like i don't know sometimes i feel like it's all up in the air at this point so i'm pretty open to like centrist politics depending on the topic you are the new phil oh no yeah (laughs) it depends on the topic it's all contextual to in my opinion i think that's very fair what about you helen where do you fall uh i'm pretty left socialist leaning i think everyone else knows all of my politics from listening to my chick flick podcast so i think that's all i have to say okay perfect (laughs) so let's get into it we're talking all women's issues so Let's just start general talking about feminism and how we all define it. I define feminism as just not, I don't want to say equality between the genders, but equity between the genders. And the difference for me is if you have a field like STEM, you know, science, tech, engineering, mathematics, that disenfranchises women and tries to push them out of it. I don't think we should just have like, oh, it's just, we'll just put them in the same classes, but you need equity where I think you need programs to help reach out to those, to people that are kind of left out of things. And maybe if you have a podcast that's always hosted by guys, maybe you have an episode that's all female oriented instead of just making, oh, every once in a while it's equal. And that's kind of, I fight more for equity than equality. What about... Helen, you're the the feminist podcaster. How do you define feminism? Well, I hate to be a little subservient here, but I kind of agree with you on this. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think it is it is a lot about equal opportunity. And, and feminism to me is obviously, yes, about gender equality. But also I, 
I won't shy away from the fact that I'm comfortable with elevating women a little bit if that means that they finally actually get the same opportunities that men have had for eons and eons. Feminism to me also is a lot about listening to and understanding women, and that's among women as well. So saying women can do what women want to do, and if, if what a woman wants to do is fulfill the social imperative that has been drilled into her mind for the last few centuries, if she wants to be a stay-at-home mom and raise children and that's all she wants to do, I support her with my full enthusiasm as much as I support the woman who wants to be the next CEO or the president. I agree. I think all of those definitions are fine if we're talking about feminism in America or even feminism in most first world countries. But feminism in developing nations and uh, in places where women are far more oppressed than they are here takes on very different connotations. I don't think it's just about like making programs and elevating women. It's like fighting again. Not that we don't have to fight against society here, but like if we want to bring full education and, and and equality and equity to women in places where they're not allowed to leave the house without a male escort, yeah. like, it's not about, like, you know, it's about changing the fundamentals of a society. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. where it's not okay for women to have acid thrown in her face because she said no to somebody. Or, oh, you were gang raped by a bunch of men? Looks like you're going to be executed. Like, there are places where that happens. Yeah. And, like, you definitely have to change your definition of feminism when we're talking about other nations that are not, like, you know, where women can go to school. And, yeah. and it's okay and can get yeah. access to birth control, however limited it might, it might be. No, I totally agree. Would you extend that idea to the definition of feminism is varies between like state to state. Like I'm not saying that there are states that treat women like developing nations do, but there are certain states in this country that have less protections than others. Would you change your definition of feminism as you went from area to area in our country? I would, because I, I don't think it's a one size fits all term. Uh, it never has been. Feminism has meant many different things to many different women. Um, even like, you know, month to month is in, in our current political climate. <laughs> so I don't think it's like a, we can apply this definition and this label to all of these situations because, you know, it does every state, every nation has a different set of needs that people who call themselves feminists needs to tackle. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree with that. What about you, Alana? Yeah, I I really agree with that. I mean, and I've started conceiving of feminism more as like a tool of disruption where it's stemming from women's issues. But what we really need is a force that totally upends traditional, you know, patriarchal status quos all over the world. So anything that, you know, isn't traditional, whether that's like in storytelling, um, in movies or music or whatever, what have you. If it's being abandoned, we're not, you know, being (laughs) forced to believe the same things or behave in the same ways. And that's kind of something that feminism does, is that it just kind of upsets the norm. And in that way, it can be spread across, you know, different states and different personalities and different lives, I think. But I would definitely agree with what everyone else said about it um, being different to different people, which I think is fine. But yeah, that's my thing. Cool. So I have a follow-up question for what Helen was saying. 
if so if 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 feminism is the belief that a woman can choose however you know to live her life however she wants in the in you know the structure of the society that you know we value what would you say to the argument that i hear all the time and i struggle with it is if you have like a woman in power or like you know someone running for office and they are choosing to side with the patriarchy or like cut women's healthcare funding or like siding with people like trump would that be a feminist argument that she should be allowed to do that uh that's a difficult point because because once the that traditional <laughs> that traditional opinion is being spouted on a soapbox then i think it becomes different i think a woman, uh, and that's any woman, that's trans women, that's that's biological women, if a woman wants to do what she wants to do, that's great. Uh, a woman doesn't get to tell other women what to do or society what women should do. Okay. And a, a lot of what feminism is to me is just not telling women what to do, basically. Yeah. So I guess, so, yeah, I definitely, I think you said it better than I could. Cool. So, like, that'll... <laughs> Because that's, that's, I'm going to use that as my segue to, before we get to the broader issues, I want to ask you specifically, because you live in the Georgia 6th, right? Uh, I live uh, in the the neighboring district, the Georgia 11th. Okay. So, but you followed the Karen Handel, John Ossoff race. Oh, you know I did. Yes, I know. But we're, you know, we're giving the illusion to the listeners that this oh, is yes. new information. <laughs> listeners, I followed the, the Georgia Congressional <laughs> race that just happened. So if people haven't been following it, that was a conservative woman versus, it's been argued whether he's progressive or not, but a Democratic man, a, a young candidate. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't really follow Karen Handel's politics very closely. Mm-hmm. But from what I've heard, she was she would not be labeled as a feminist. Is that correct? Oh, certainly not. She's, you know, technically she's a woman. And, and that is something technically. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been told uh, since her election is something I should be happy about. Um, but she she's not a supporter of, of women's rights and, and health in many ways. She, she briefly worked for the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Uh, and four days, I believe it was, after she joined uh, the Komen Foundation cut ties with Planned Parenthood, and it was clear that it was a political decision on their part that Handel had orchestrated that move. Um, and then I think, again, another few days later, they reversed that decision, and, and Handel resigned and has since written a memoir about it because, you know, she's whiny, I guess. <laughs> but yes, in general, she's she's against abortion rights. She's against Planned Parenthood. Uh, she's against a lot of progressive causes that don't affect only women, such as same-sex marriage and even civil unions. So it, it bums me out that she is now seen as the, the female face representing my state. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's also this, this misunderstanding. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I think you should celebrate. She's the first female representative to oh ever God. be elected from yeah. Georgia. The worst. <laughs> for one, for one, she's not. She's seriously, seriously not. They're about 80 years too late for that. We've had a lot of great recent... Uh, female representatives, including Cynthia McKinney from my district. Uh, so, excuse me. But even if she were, the fact that you think I should <laughs> I should feel blessed that a woman made it, uh, even though I, I despise everything the woman stands for, 
just shows really what the state of things are with women in politics, that I've been thrown a bone <laughs> because a horrible yeah. person now represents my neighbors. Whether it's a woman or a man trying to take away your rights, it sucks the same. Absolutely. Like like when when the current president, um, whose name I'm not going to say right now because I don't feel like it, was elected and everyone was saying, well, I mean, Kellyanne Conway was the first woman to run a successful presidential campaign. Aren't you guys glad? And I just want to shake them and say, but don't you see what she did, though? Like, yeah. doesn't yeah. the actual context matter more than her genitals? So, to, but I want to... I want to try to, as a group, <laughs> contextualize how this compares to Hillary, though, because I, I know, I know, I know. And I've spoken openly on the show about how much I don't want to redelegate the 2016 primary. But my question is, I struggled with this a little bit, that I was not a Hillary fan. I voted for her, obviously. But, like, I was not, I was never excited about her candidacy. And I struggled with it where like when she gave her speech at the D at the you know the dnc and she the video like shattered the glass ceiling like that was i thought like i was that was an, an empowering moment i think and like that was inspiring for me but and i i said like even though she's not really my candidate of choice and i don't like her very much it is exciting that a woman is running on the democratic ticket for president do you think that there's like a line to be drawn of like how much you have to disagree with a candidate before you can no longer appreciate moving above that glass ceiling? I got turned off in the primaries when Gloria Steinem and Madeleine Albright were telling me that I was a bad feminist. Oh yeah, I didn't that was vote for Hillary specifically. Oh, I'm a bad woman because I didn't vote for a woman, and yeah. I was like you realize that you're just reducing us back down to labels. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what you guys are trying to fight against. Yeah. But now when it suits you, we can go back to, like, you are woman, apply yes to woman label. <laughs> I don't know. Can we take some excitement from the Karen Handel victory? Or is it really that far? Because like, not, not really at all. She's no. not yeah. helping anyone. She's not... Like, like, like I was saying, like, feminism is supposed to be this disruption of the status quo. Like, that was my thing with Hillary, was that she's not really... She's been here forever, which, like, means she has the experience, but she's not necessarily changing any everything i get the sense that she probably would have kept things more of the same which is better obviously than what we have okay. now but like it wasn't it's not enough you're just kind of playing the same game that's been dictated by you know men largely for mm -hmm. you know all mm -hmm. of time yeah <laughs> like so it's not exciting it's not yes also <laughs> To be clear, if Karen Handel had been running against a more formidable male Republican candidate, she would not have won. If if Tom Price were still in the race and she were, she wouldn't have even run against him. Obviously, he won. I think he won with ninety nine percent of the vote in twenty ten. Uh, he was running against an independent, but even so, I mean, this district is is very very uh, consistently Republican. Has mm -hmm. been for forty years. She barely barely edged out Ossoff and and in fairness Ossoff had an incredible trajectory it was amazing to see and it was something no Democrat has been able to do again in 40 years but uh, I think if she had been a man she probably would have won bigger so mm -hmm. I don't think it means anything that she won and was a woman except that objectively she won and is a woman. 
<laughs> like, and I'm not necessarily saying I was excited by Karen Handel winning. I, I guess it, it depends on the person because, like, did you feel that Hillary making it as far as she did was a victory in itself or not? I don't think that the Democratic Party, like, especially the way they operated, had a choice. I didn't feel like I had a choice. Okay. Like, I guess that Hillary is a woman making it to the presidential race. I mean, that's good. I guess that shows that we are making progress because it certainly wouldn't have happened 50, even 20 years ago. I still wish that there was more women that I could choose from, that I didn't have to be fed this candidate that I didn't really yeah. agree with a whole lot on, rather than, like like Helen mentioned before, like, oh, here's this bone, a woman made it, you should be celebrating this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she almost made it before. Like, we, we'd been in a similar situation when she was running with Obama. Right. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, it, it wasn't totally shocking. Like, and if people are shocked by it, I think that's more of a shocking yeah. <laughs> statement than the fact that she made it. Because, like, obviously a woman who's been in politics that long, who's run as many organizations as she has, you know, was Secretary of State, like, she obviously is qualified. It's not even a matter of that at this point. Anymore. And the fact that, like, she had to do all of those things... And yeah. still yes. lost. And still lose. Yeah. yeah. And like, exactly. it's just, it's like, it's, it's, you know. Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> even know like what to no say. Other, like, there's like no other way to. I, yeah, I to feel like I, I almost have to, pr- like, I naturally project more of a feminist view on Hillary because she was running against Trump. Like, yeah. it's almost yes. like. I viewed her as a feminist in spite of her beliefs, not because of them. Yeah. Because it's like, how can, like, just that you dealt with that, like that, I have, like, Alana, you posted in our Facebook group an article, uh, maybe a month or two ago, about, like, a retrospect of what Hillary went through after the election. That, like, even though I don't like Hillary at all, and, like, if I, if she was to run in 2020, I would just, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, like, this is where, like politicians become symbols and they become like like i remember reading an article before trump was elected that talked about the fact that one of the president's biggest jobs is that they need to be punching bags Mm -hmm. they need to take the frustration from the american public and like obviously trump cannot do that because if anyone criticizes him or expresses you know upset he tweets about it and throws a tantrum hillary clinton has been getting beat up in the political arena like her entire life Mm-hmm. And has clearly been able to handle it. And so, like, when you have the, the image of Hillary Clinton standing on stage next to Donald Trump and he's, like, standing behind her, it's like, that was, a, regardless of what they were saying, like, I feel like that was a picture and that was a mood that a lot of women have personally experienced. So it became, like, a race of, like, symbolism more even than policy, where it was just, like, seeing the image and then you have to side with what that looks like and how that viscerally makes you feel when you see it mm-hmm. in the public arena which like probably shouldn't be how politics is but that seems to be the direction we're headed yeah but that's that's my thing with hillary clinton losing especially in that article when she said you know women came up to me and they were crying because they didn't know what to do because she had lost and it was like if the world's most qualified woman can't become president like what does that mean for for the rest of us yeah do you think now, because Hillary's a special case that because like 
the Republicans have basically been running against her presidential campaign since like 1985. <laughs> How do you feel like the rhetoric will be similar or will it be totally different if it's, let's say, like Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren? That's a good question. I want to see it because I want to see what would happen. If, <laughs> yeah. Because like they, I mean, their experience, but they haven't been around as long as Hillary. I feel like they're not as mired in like the muck as she is. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see what their tactics would be. I mean, I'm sure something along the lines of being loud and rude would mm-hmm. be yeah. one oh, yeah, of those absolutely. tactics. <laughs> well, because the thing that I always wonder is like Hillary was getting hit by everyone running against her because she was a woman and also because she was an elite. And, like, in 2016, that was, like, the anti-elitism and, like, the populist movement is what defined the year. So Mm. do you feel like if there was someone less ingrained? Because I'm torn. Like, I obviously want to see it. But, like, if it was Elizabeth Warren, I wonder if they can't rag at her for being such an elitist, will they rag at her harder for being a woman? I think the the rhetoric will be depressingly similar regardless mm-hmm. of the woman who runs or her background, I think we'll still hear words like shrill and aggressive and bossy and ambitious yeah. in a way that's not positive because people are threatened by ambitious women and thus it's seen as a negative trait. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it will be alarmingly similar. Yeah. I mean, but it, it would be so hard though to call her elitist, like given her background, like her mother working at, I think her mother worked at like JC Penney or something like that. And it was a very like hometown, like didn't have a lot of money. Whereas like the Clintons are obviously coming from more. Yeah. So, I mean, unless they just, they just keep flat out lying, which seems to be the new strategy of like, And it's certainly, well, we they're just... not facing any consequences for it. So Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, the media, it's fake news. So we can say whatever we want anyway. I feel like that's the biggest, that's the scariest thing right now is envisioning that race. And we get to a point where it's like, they can just lie about that stuff the secret elite origins of elizabeth warren <laughs> they were actually actually that had they don't want you to know <laughs> well i feel like the fact that trump called her pocahontas uh... wait 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 <laughs> wait kiss explain that to me i feel like i didn't hear about this so oh my gosh so how did you not I hear reco- about this if i recall correctly elizabeth warren is like one like 16th or one eighth or something cherokee right That is what she claims, yes. Yes. And so Trump just kept calling her the whole campaign. Every time she hit at him, she would just call, he would call her Pocahontas, which like, that's basically a racial slur that you're just using. And like, if, if you can get away with that, why can't you say she's a secret elitist? And they were... Yeah, he was using that term to imply that Elizabeth Warren was lying about her... Yeah, yeah. It sounds like yeah. I think the Cherokee like even demanded that she like produce documents, but she didn't have any. I think nothing has been proven either way. It's been neither proven nor disproven, and it's it's a talking point that Trump stuck with because people cheered it at rallies, and it's it's disgusting. But you know, people cheer at disgusting things. It's what we do. Like, do you guys have any documentation proving your like ethnic origins? Well, actually, I just submitted my spit to ancestry.com okay so i will find out in like hopefully like a week and i'll have documentation okay because i don't want to live in a world where a woman announces she wants to run for office and it's like you have to pee in this cup so we can prove you're who you say you are like i mean you need to do that if you want food to feed your family i I guess that's florida and what other state is it i don't know i don't remember but uh, okay well 
I don't have a segue, so I'm just going to angrily go to the next thing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could go to Trump name-calling. That was, I mean, we can start talking about the the uh, bleeding commentary that he seems to be yeah. stuck on. So, how do you want to frame it, Lauren? Like, we could talk about it so many ways. We could talk about it as Trump's hatred of women, because he definitely hates them. We could talk about it in the... Uh, context of everyone's coming out against this, but somehow everything else he said before was acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, somehow this is the line. Like, we can take healthcare away from 22 million women, but, you know, we're going to call out one for bleeding from a facelift, and suddenly every Republican senator is clutching their pearls over it. Um, or even just, like, is this presidential behavior? Well, I think we can all agree that <laughs> it's not. We can all agree that it's absolutely well, not. Well, actually, I mean, technically, this is, like he is president, so apparently now it is uh, presidential yeah. behavior. Yeah, but that's hate just... To, hate to get depressing in here. But yeah, there is, no, <laughs> there is no conversation about that that isn't just awful. <laughs> yeah, like, so... God, I'm nauseous. Yeah, I want to pull on the, the string that you were talking about of, why is this one different i listened to uh susan davis talking about it on npr this morning and she was saying that like one of the reasons why she suspects it's different is because the republicans and democrats in the senate and in the congress really like morning joe like it's a (laughs) it's a show it's a show that they feel like is snarky but in a way that's not super partisan like it's they said it's the only news show that they agree to put on at the gym Oh. And, like, oh that maybe it's more personal because of that reason, but, like, you said they've said, he said so many horrible things about so many women. How come this is the one that Lindsey Graham comes out against? And this is the one that Ben Sass comes out against? Like, why, like, when I read it, it didn't resonate with me as, like, this is worse than usual. It was like, here's another one of this, this. Yeah, this certainly didn't make me as uncomfortable as making a public comment about someone having their period like i thought that was and i hate megan kelly i thought that was way worse of a comment oh because she was she was nasty because she was bleeding out of her wherever wherever (laughs) like that to me was way way worse i mean and obviously you know talking about grabbing someone by their genitals is also way worse and he still got elected president after that so i don't know i don't understand where the decision comes in to be like i'm finally gonna say something (laughs) about this like i don't i don't know what that decision making process looks like well the two (laughs) things that you brought up were before he was president very true i'm not using that as a justification (laughs) but i feel like it's easier for a congressman or a senator to not comment on a candidate than it is for them to not comment on the leader of their party it should be the same, though. It should be the like same. A, it should be. He's, and he's I think, a candidate. He's, you know, going to be elected to be the leader of their party. Yeah. Well, I yeah. guess this was the problem where people, like, it was, like, right up until the final minute, no one actually believed it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that was the biggest thing. I'm not saying it excuses them, but I think that's one of the reasons why it is different this time. But it's not like he hasn't said anything terrible about women since he was elected. And it's all archived. Like, you can just go through his Twitter and read all the terrible things he said about women. Like, it's not, like, brand new information. There's something to be said for the fact that the president cannot respond to a woman saying something negative about him without remarking on her appearance. Or, in this case, her alleged inability to maintain that appearance. I've seen pictures from her at at that Mar-a-Lago thing. She looks regular. I don't know what... Yeah, she's fine. There's a picture of her. She's fine. (laughs) 
Well, that's just because to Trump, women aren't people. Like, they're just things for him to look at and to sexually assault and to comment on. Go, like, oh, you're a pretty reporter? Come here so the president can get a better look at you. Oh, did you did you see that article with the Irish reporter? Oh my god. That he just like calls over when he's on the phone with the gay Irish <sighs> prime minister and yep. he's like he's like, "Look at this attractive reporter." And she's just like awkwardly standing there and it's so uncomfortable. That awkward so smile weird. is the awkward smile that I have given to every man who's told me to smile since <laughs> I was 13 years old. Well, that's it's <sighs> it's he's he's like a satire of what he is the man that anti-feminists think all men that think feminists think all men are. Does, it, does that, that sentence like, make sense? Yeah, no, he's yes. the man that like Sigmund Freud was like trying to like cure. And <laughs> yeah. Freud is Freud is bullshit, but somehow it has come tr- like it's like he is the product of all these weird complexes that like men have used for years to try to like excuse their behavior, and it's all like it's been proven like not true, but somehow he has managed to like attain this level of like patriarchal characterization that like a lot of men use as an excuse to be shitty and it's like no you're just being a bad person it's nothing to do with who you are as a man it's so strange he like doesn't seem real sometimes it seems like it's like how could someone be so empty that they could just absorb all of this like nonsense and actually allow it to determine who they are and how they behave it's just like it's astounding that's that's such an interesting take because ignoring the Freud implications of Trump's infatuation with his own daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I want to focus on what you said, though, about, like, he doesn't seem real. Like, I, even though, like, I'm so ingrained in the news and I have all my Twitter notifications every time anyone does anything, how do we reconcile that, like, the president is attacking talk show hosts just because she said he had tiny hands? Like... How do we move past this? How do we reconcile that, like, this dude is the president? You don't, like, you don't. There's no way to do it. You You have have to to just admit, you have to admit that it's happening and then actively fight against it and be like, this is disgusting no matter what people say. Like, this is not appropriate behavior. And, like, but don't, like, lie about it or try to forget it because I feel like if you forget, then it becomes normalized and it shouldn't be. Every morning I wake up, it's just November 9th again. (laughs) <laughs> I have to like I have it's to like reacclimate myself <laughs> to like this is my reality and then I can get out of bed and get ready to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I have a question for Helen that you're the only one of us with a child. I I I am. I am. Are they old enough to have like any questions about anything political that's going on right now? He's he's just turned 3. So he he has an awareness of who the president is. They had a whole week on American politics in his school and all of the all of the toddlers colored pictures of Donald Trump and Ugh. he had pictures oh. of Donald Trump hanging up all over this daycare classroom. And oh if God. you ask him if you ask him who the president is, he'll tell you it's Donald Trump. And he he doesn't have <laughs> the insightful analytical eye to, to to expound on that much. Well, the reason, the, what I mean is like, I'm a teacher, but I teach high school kids and they ask me political questions sometimes, but they have the context to recognize this is not normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, if there's one thing, he just is aware that he's the president. But like, I don't know how, if I had a younger group of kids or I had kids of my own and they asked me questions about like the sexist rhetoric or things like that, like, I don't know what I would say to that. But he's not at that level yet. 
He's not yet. Okay. How so... old is he? He's three. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, just protect him. Just protect him. Yes. <laughs> I was going to keep it from him as long as possible, but then school was like, no, he has to know stuff. And I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's like disheartening. That's yeah. super disheartening. At, at the same time, you can't have a school ignore the president. For yeah. sure. But, no. like, that's just, that's difficult. Maybe I'll ask you these same questions after he's impeached. <laughs> but oh Don't, don't jinx it. <laughs> We're not going to get our, just don't, sh- shush. We're not talking about it. <laughs> My best friend is a teacher at a charter school in Brooklyn, and she teaches children who are mostly immigrants. Last year, she was teaching uh, an Arabic and Indian population, but this year it's mostly Latino and Hispanic population. The day after Trump got elected, they were all crying. And they were terrified that they were going to be sent back. They were afraid their parents or relatives were going to be sent back. And they were, they're not, they're they're 10. Mm -hmm. They're 10 and they were like terrified for their future. And that's the saddest thing ever. So Lisa, uh, my friend, said that she just told them that they were going to protect them and they were going to fight against it and they weren't going to let people just come and take them. And I think that's all you can do as a teacher is just like when a child comes to you crying is just vow like you will fight for them because they're 10 and they can't Mm do and themselves. Yeah, I mean, at New Paltz, which is a fairly liberal campus, like, we had um, racist rhetoric on, like, the bathroom walls in dorms, and I had mm-hmm. students emailing me with, like, pictures of it and saying, like, we're not going to go to class tomorrow because there's going to be a walkout and all this stuff. And I was just like, that's totally fine. I'm canceling class. And, like, I went with them. And I think that's the kind of, like, if you show them that you're standing with them, that's kind of the only thing you can do. But I think that can be enough, like, because sometimes all you need is to boost morale and to, like, emotionally feel supported and, like, that will get you Yes, absolutely. through it. Do you think that there's any difference in how you should talk to young girls about, because we mostly talked about the, the racist stuff here. Yeah. And that kind of rhetoric. But do you think it's kind of the same? Is there any different advice you would give for someone who's talking to young girls about, like, how this is not normal? Yes, probably. I I think I think that conversation is changing a lot because now I've noticed there's more of an emphasis upon like letting young children know that consent is a thing at any age, not even sexual. Like if someone pulls your hair or someone is in your space, like that's not okay for them to do. And like, it's not, you know, normal if someone makes fun of you and they're like, oh, that means he likes you. Like, no, that's just, that's gross. And that sets a precedent for Mm -hmm. how you grow up as a woman and what you accept from other people. And you're like, well, this is just like normal because I've been treated this way my whole life. And that must mean he likes me. Like, it's so toxic and horrifying that so many women grew up thinking that if someone is cruel to you, that somehow that's code mm-hmm. <laughs> for them, like, liking you. And it's like, just tell the truth. Why Why do you need to couch it in, like, cruelty? It's very messed up. So I think definitely yes. I, I don't want to... This is not in defense of any of this stuff at all. But do you <laughs> think that having, having the president be such a satire on, like, boys will be boys and, like, that kind of toxic opinion... Do you think that that is shifting the conversation in the direction that it should have gone in 50 years ago? I mean, I noticed the conversation shift years ago before Trump was elected. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think maybe his election might have accelerated it. Mm -hmm. But 
I mean, I know that a lot of uh, young parents, I personally know, were already teaching, like, their kids, you know, oh, if you don't want to hug this person, like, we're not going to make you hug them. If he, if anyone touches you without, like, your consent, go tell a teacher. And then if they don't do anything, come and tell me immediately. Yeah. So I noticed the conversation shifting before he was elected, but I think maybe that he has been elected. (laughs) It's getting more widespread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ugh. I, I think it's important that, uh, I guess, as a result of this terrible thing, <laughs> this terrible election, uh, the, the conversation, which was already shifting, has been emphasized, and it's important to continue that emphasis. Obviously, I'm raising a young white male, and it's very important to me that he knows that this man, that, that the people I know and love elected to, to lead our country, who is allegedly a role model and worth coloring in daycare... Uh, is not a role model and that the things mm-hmm. he does does not represent what humanity does to other humans. So the consent conversation is so important. And I, I, I'm kind of of the mind. And again, I only have one child. Uh, if I had a daughter, maybe my, my opinion would be different. But I'm of the mind that we should have a, the same talk regardless of the child's sex. Yeah. And just... Oh, Absolutely emphasize that we are all people and that is the sentiment that should be echoing forever and ever and does does your husband feel the same level of importance for that conversation i i think that he does we haven't spoken on it explicitly a lot recently but uh i can tell you for sure and certain he is not (laughs) he's not a supporter of anything that trump has ever done and it, it 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 broke his heart as well as mine to see those portraits of the president hanging in our son's school as academically appropriate as it was. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, cause like in my experience with my parents, like my dad is not a Trump supporter by any means. He didn't vote for him, but his reaction to the rhetoric was very different than my mother's. Mm-hmm. Like when he, Trump would say things, my dad would be like, well, it's just cause he's an idiot. And my mom was like, no, this is like, I've had people talk to me like this forever and my dad would be like well those people were idiots and she's like yeah but when it's been 40 50 years of dealing with it it's more than just they're idiots you know and like i feel like it's easy as a man to be like well everyone rationally knows this guy's an asshole but it's it's more like the microaggression kind of like yeah but it's in maybe not everybody's saying you're bleeding from your face or whatever but like it's a similar tone yeah, although I think when women hear it, it's not, we're not hearing Trump saying it. We're hearing actual people that we've met and been standing in front of saying mm-hmm. the same thing. And it, Since it we feels were like a 10. Yeah, exactly. Especially if, like, you know, I come from a family of, like, with a history of sexual assault. And so, like, when I hear those things, it's like, oh, you are just letting the whole country have a free pass to treat mm-hmm. women this way. And it's, it's like forgiving the people in my life that like perpetrated these really terrible things and it's like and they never got punished for it and they never will because you just elected someone into the white house who probably will also not like even if he gets you know impeached or he gets in trouble for you know colluding with russia like he's not going to get in trouble for hurting women like that's not what people get in trouble for it's not worth the like bill cosby just didn't like just got out like they did a mistrial so like that's a whole thing that's a whole other can of worms i could not believe that but no, but it's not I think that's, that's totally <laughs> fair that, like, like, everyone's investigating for so many things and it's just, like, the women's stuff is just, like, hey, it's just what he does, which is awful. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. So, Alana, you mentioned that 
there's a history of people that are victimized by things exactly like Trump in your family, but you also mentioned that you have a lot of people in your family that support him. Yeah. How does that hash? It didn't. Um, it like it, it's slowly healing in my family, but it definitely like created this like intense like distrust among you know people in my family when everyone knew about it, and I was like, and I know how viscerally it affected them, and for some reason this wasn't the same, and and obviously the the excuse was like, oh, well, you know, it was years ago and like he didn't actually go to court for it. And of course, like, you know, I had people in my family arguing like, well, Bill Clinton was accused of sexual assault and he like paid all those women off. But Trump's never actually been to court for it. So it's it's fine. And like, you know, people can change and blah, blah, blah. And just it they don't. It's so I don't know how to like reconcile it. It's a very like strange feeling. And I it, it, I feel diminished in my, like, emotional, you know, reaction to those things. And it's very, I don't know if it's internalized misogyny or what, but there's, like, no explanation for it. It's mm. illogical, in my opinion. <laughs> so, to open it up broader, how do the Trump-supporting women in your life and in your family talk about, like, this stuff? Do they even? Because, like, I have an aunt that's a huge Trump supporter, and she... In the past week, the only articles she's commented on or shared off of her Facebook were Donald Trump Jr.'s fishing trip with his family, and and I don't mean to use racially insensitive language, but the article that she shared today was literally, look at the thug and ghetto person that Michelle Obama is in front of this world leader. So glad Holy this embarrassment God. is out of this country. Oh my oh my Or out of, out of the office, I mean. And it's like, and her daughters are doing the same thing. And I'm <sighs> like, are you kidding me? I had an aunt, I have someone who thought that the way Trump treated women on The Apprentice was a good, like, measure for how, and, and this is like where the argument comes down of like what feminism is. And like, what treating women equally means because I mean like talking like being condescending to a woman and saying like you know toughen up this is just the business world is like such a it's like that whole thing where it's like just accept the way it is and you know toughen up and don't get upset and like that's something that's not gonna fly anymore it shouldn't do they just like are they like my aunt where they ignore it or do they constantly like try to justify oh it's not this isn't real i get like i don't really well i don't like that but that's not the only thing he does oh okay is the is the thing i hear like like i had to ask my grandmother who's like 94 and i was like grandma i was like i just want to know like when you heard a recording of the president of the united states admitting to grabbing someone by the genitals were you upset I was like, I don't want to hear about anything else. Like, I don't want to know about his policies or anything. I just want to hear you say that that upset you. And you can, like, see it in her face that she doesn't know how to reconcile in her own head, like, her conservative ideology with what he has said about women. Because you know she's disgusted by it, but for whatever reason, it's just not enough. I don't, I don't know why it's not enough. The best but. way I put it was by one of my, uh, one of my Facebook friends who's, she's, a lesbian and she constantly she's like really active in dc she lives in dc and she said it's not that his it's not that if you voted for trump you're a sexist or you're a racist or you're a bigot all these things it's that that wasn't a deal breaker for you yeah right. that's and, what it is for me and that's what they, they say like oh I, it's so is it like because like when we talk about obama we're like yeah i think his foreign policy was a little like 
aggressive and he's more of a warmonger and like, yeah, he sided with Banks sometimes, but I still support this, this, and this. They equate his sexism kind of as just like a, almost like a policy they disagree with. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. But like with Obama, you don't have to be like, <laughs> he sexually harassed someone, but I can overlook it. Like, yeah. If Obama even had like, if it was the barest inkling that he oh, had sexually harassed someone, uh, Fox News would never, they would put on like the 24 hour news cycle and that's all we would ever hear. I mean, hear. could you imagine if Obama had an ex-wife? <laughs> Like yeah, no, he would. He would not have would been play president. into like the <laughs> racist bullshit rhetoric about black men, and then like that that would be the news cycle. Yet Trump was taken to court because he raped his ex wife. Like that's the discrepancy. But oh, it's just awful. But like, so is the is there anything else that you want to mention about like what it's like having Trump support or Trump supporting women in your family, Alana? Uh, it just. You know, because I, it's so strange to me because they are smart, intelligent. Like, my grandma is 94. She went to college. Like, she was born in, like, 1920. She went to college. She's so smart. And it's and it's just kind of breaks my heart a little bit, I guess, is the thing. Because in, in any other avenue, they would not be speaking this way. And I know for, like, I know that if any Trump voting woman in my family saw another woman being, you know, de- like, denigrated or hurt or something, they would do something to help them. Like, which, you know, should be the more important thing, but I don't see how electing him into office, like, maybe it just seems too distant. If it's not happening right in front of you, Hmm. you can't react the same way. Uh, I I don't know. I feel like it's something I have to get over, though, because I don't want to, like, lose my family because (laughs) because of this. I was just just talking to Daryl yesterday when I was like, I miss the days when I thought of my aunt and cousins as like fun people I see every three years. Now I'm like, they're (laughs) monsters that are destroying this country. Yeah, I don't want to, I think that's such a dang, like that's how I felt after the election, but I'm I'm starting to come out like, I can't think of these people as monstrous. Like that's not going to solve anything. Mm -hmm. Like, because you want to be aggressive, because you're afraid if you're not aggressive, then, like, The Handmaid's Tale is going to happen right in front of your very eyes. You know what I Uh mean? If you don't. But at the same time, like, you have known these people your entire life. Yeah. And, like, so I don't don't know how everyone else feels about it, or if anyone else has Trump voting women (laughs) in their families. I only have four. They're all men, and they are banished from the dinner table by my (laughs) grandmothers every time they say anything pro-Trump. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's pretty sweet. That's nice. Because no one's going to yell at grandma. She's 87 years old. She says, shut the fuck up about Trump. (laughs) You're not going to say anything. Yeah. I I love your grandma. Please give me like a GoFundMe so I can get Both of my grandmas. (laughs) One grandma's 97. She just like fell and had a hip operation and she's home and she's fine. My other grandma is 87 and they're both like, this man is a monster and he's making a mockery of the presidency. Yes. That's 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 nice to hear. That's nice to hear. My 97-year-old grandma just wants the ghost of FDR to come back and just, like, be the president again. Um, The women in my life I know who voted for Trump, uh, I know for months during the election it was bending over backwards to defend the things that he said. And usually the argument amounted to to saying something against Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. So when the the pussy-grabbing comments came out, it was the same line over and over again, like, well, those were just words. I'm more upset by the things Hillary Clinton has oh, done geez. over and over. Oh my God. But or what wake... Bill has done. Precisely, yeah. yeah. The, the, yeah. the guy who's not actually running. 
I mean, right. Bill Clinton was a bad president, but, like, he wasn't running for president. Yeah, no, but also, I still maintain that Hillary Clinton should have dumped his ass. Yeah, actually... <laughs> I still maintain it. I maintain it to this day that that's what she should have done. That is a question that I thought about earlier and totally forgot I wanted to ask you three until now. Now, there's that stigma that, like, of the, you know, the dutiful wife or whatever that stands by because if they leave, it'll, like, ruin their political career. Mm-hmm. Like, we yeah. saw that with uh, Huma Abedin, that until, that she stayed as long, like, I oh, can't believe God. it was as long with as Anthony she did. Anthony Weiner. Yeah. But, like, how, do you, how, do you think we'll ever move past that? We're not past it now. That's so certainly I understand, true. Yeah. I understand why Hillary Clinton is still with Bill Clinton. She's playing the game. She's she's the best at playing the game, and she still lost the game. I'm hoping it's something we can move past, but not in the next fifty years. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not hopeful. <laughs> Even on like, take it down from the politics level. Half the time when a guy cheats on his wife, they're like, "Oh, it was just a mistake. Like he didn't mean it." You know, that happened in my own life. Not to me, but to my parents. Like, everyone was like, oh, just go, like, it'll be fine. And my mom stayed. And we're not past it as a society now. Why would politics, which is the last thing to fucking change in any (laughs) scenario, it's not going to change. It's not going to start there. Yeah, I mean, Bill Clinton didn't get impeached because he got a blowjob in the White House. He got impeached because he lied about it. Yeah. Right. Like, it wasn't like, of course, like, the most powerful man in the world would be having sex with a younger woman who's in less of a position of power than he is. That's just, like, normal. That's every day. That happens all the time. That's not what's weird. Yeah. Fucking light about it. So, one of the things that, to go back a little bit about the, like, family members and stuff, one of the things that I find with my family members that really support Trump is that they, I don't want to say are idiots, (laughs) but they're... They have a radical misunderstanding of things like statistics. And, like, you said, like, they justify, but look at this, look at this, look at this. And it's especially difficult to talk to them when it comes to, like, policy. So, like, the thing I wanted to talk about is, like, healthcare. So many of these people that, like, I talk to are either silent or responding to or commenting on articles that are basically, like, the healthcare bill, the way the fake news is slanting it is... Ne- is isn't real and like it actually doesn't hurt as many people like even sean spicer tried to make the case on twitter two days ago that obamacare had 28 million people uninsured our plan is better even though they don't realize it's 22 million more people than obamacare it's 50 million in total but it's so i feel like it's so easy to manipulate these people because they don't understand how numbers work and like how when you live in an alternate reality where they where they think that Trump's inaugural numbers were bigger than ever before and he had an unprecedented electoral victory that like things that are blatantly flagrantly not true and easy to disprove how do you talk to these people about policy you can't you can't yeah you really that's what I was going to say like you can't like but, but they don't want to because they don't want to know how health insurance works like their information they are just as confident in their information as we are it's it's which is like the scariest thing because like my the women in my family who voted for Trump like they don't want people to lose health insurance they don't want like my mom had breast cancer they want her to be able to be covered if if something were to happen like they like they don't want any of those things to happen but they're getting information that's saying everything will be fine 
and they believe it in the same way that we believe the information that's saying, no, everything's really not fine. So I don't know how you bridge that. That's the, the scariest thing about this is the propaganda and the media and the fact that there seems to be no objective truth at this point in time, which is like horrifying. To me, at least that's the scariest thing. Yeah, it's self-brainwashing and it's confirmation bias, which is something that is incredibly difficult to overcome, especially when you won't acknowledge that you have it. Especially with the internet, and you can just go to, like, www.imrightandiwantotalkaboutit.com <laughs> exactly. with, the, like, 50,000 other people who are right and want to talk about it, and that's how insanity like Pizzagate happens. <laughs> because it's just this horrifying <laughs> feedback loop of morons talking to each other and amping each other up about their mm -hmm. stupid moron theories and all the sources look the same like i had to oh one my of God, my I jobs know. as a teacher was to like teach sources and like researching and if i was teaching now i was like i don't know how i would do it because some of the websites like you would not be able to tell they look the same as any other site that we've been using for years like i feel like the only difference is that I guess the the so-called liberal media, which is just, you know, the media, yeah. um, has has longevity on its side. So, like, you know, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, like, they've been around for a while. They've been around longer than, you know, InfoWars. And, like, that's yeah. kind Breitbart. of... Or Breitbart. Like, they've just been around longer. But then those people on the right would say, like, yeah, but they've been lying all this time. And now the the right finally has a platform and the truth finally has a platform to speak. So yeah. I feel like it's it's such an insurmountable problem. I don't know how you get past it. And especially when you when the head of Breitbart is in the White House and InfoWars has press credentials. Like yeah. it it's hard to explain to them why they're garbage places. <laughs> they see it as a victory for their side. Yeah. When they get defensive and they think that you're calling them stupid and that they what like they don't know what's fake news and what's not, please. Yeah. Like they know you're 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 just being condescending if you try to explain to them that like you're the news source you're getting your information from is false and they're like no it's yours it's just like it's unbelievable it's just a back and forth mm -hmm. that seems endless and I'm depressed about it. <laughs> I like don't know how <laughs> one thing that one thing I wanted to ask you guys too is I asked a couple other I I asked a couple other women what. What questions should I ask you? Like, what? Because I don't, I think more than four hosts is too many for a podcast. So I was like, what are some things you would want to talk about? And I was kind of surprised that a lot of people said, like, my fiance for one said, like, the wage gap and healthcare. And I feel like in Trump's America, it's hard to almost talk about things like the wage gap because it's like, it's obviously super, super important, but we're trying to deflect these things about him physically, like, like yeah. a, not physically attacking, but attacking women's physical appearances. And, like, that trying to convince people that the ERA needs to pass is the Equal Rights Amendment is, like, it almost seems, and I know it, it's not at all, but it almost seems like, e, like, it's too, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, the other stuff seems more urgent. Because well, yeah, it's, like, like, in your face. But but then you yeah. have, like, the healthcare bill being crafted by 13 secret white guys. And then it's like, well, look, women will lose all this, all this healthcare. And it's like, yeah, but he's a sexual predator. And we have to fight to not normalize that. And, like, you almost lose the specifics. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you have to just ignore him and be like, most of the country sees women as people. And so we can move forward with these kind of larger pictures, like these pic larger picture ideas, rather. 
I, I almost feel like you have to just fucking ignore him. I like don't because it seems like everyone in Washington is also like just like even the White House is like ignore his tweets. Uh-huh. Like they don't they don't matter. So we can just focus on these things. But I I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, cuz my fear is that we're going to ignore it for so long that like people don't realize that that's also a thing that we should address as not a good thing. Like if you just let him keep saying whatever, you don't want to send the message that you're allowed to say that stuff without repercussions. But like defunding planned parenthood is objectively more important of an issue. You know, like, I don't, I don't know how to, like, should we just be, co- like, I guess we kind of have to just be mad and talking about everything all the time. Which yeah. is exhausting. Which is a responsibility that, like, I don't want. Like, isn't the whole point of having, like, elected officials is that they can do their job and, like, protect me and that, like, I'll pay attention, but I can, like, live my life. And I feel like I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you, I don't know how to tell 30% of the country that they should care about. Like anyone the, yeah that it's not just about them i don't i don't know what fundamental lessons they missed out on in preschool and kindergarten but like i i don't know how to explain to them that if if the whole country benefits from something it doesn't mean that it costs you anything like if we can move forward as a country with single payer health insurance with a more educated population with a uh, lower infant mortality rate. Like, I don't know how to tell them that that is a good thing for the country as a whole and that that will make our country better because they just mm-hmm. they don't understand why people are important on, like, a fundamental level. And it's just so frustrating. I know we're guilty of exactly what I just said because we spent most of the time talking about rhetoric and things he says on Twitter and, like, all this stuff. So I do want to talk about healthcare a little bit. So wealthcare, wealthcare. <laughs> we have like, oops has already done a whole issue on healthcare. I can in the group it we're constantly talking about healthcare. So I want to talk about more specifically one of the hot issues that comes up a lot. And Justin asked this in the thread: is Planned Parenthood? How? How has how does Planned Parenthood help people? And if you guys have had any personal experiences, because every like it's I've seen that same Trump aunt talk about how Planned Parenthood kills babies, and I've seen other people say like Planned Parenthood is the number one resource for women in America. And as someone who has never been to one, I don't even know where they are. How is it as good as everybody says it is? I love Planned Parenthood. I too have had good experience with it. I know yes. people that haven't though. I do know people that haven't had good experiences, but I think that's more the the staff in that particular location rather than defaming or the entire organization. <laughs> Helen, have you had any experience with Planned Parenthood at all? I haven't had any direct experience, but I have friends and family who have. Um, even just getting birth control from Planned Parenthood is, is an incredible blessing that they're able to give. Yeah. Absolutely. How does it work? What is it? you can just it's honestly it just feels good knowing it's there that's like my just being like i can go into a planned parenthood at any time and they will help me so is it is it just a a walking clinic for women you you can walk in or you can make an appointment but you can just walk in if you need to and they're very like at least the ones like i went to one in ithaca was the one that i went to and 
Um, they're very aware of everything. Like when you go in, they ask you if like, oh, if we need to call you, like, is it okay to call this number? Do we need to say that we're someone else that we're not? Like, do you need us to lie on the phone? Like, are you in danger? Or like, they're very aware of like mm -hmm. sexual abuse. And they give you like, when, when you sit with them, even for like a pap smear, like I had a whole conversation with a nurse who like asked like if I needed like counseling or like any of that stuff. And I mean, I even knew someone who did have a history of sexual abuse and was afraid to, you know, just get a regular exam because after something like that, like, you don't really want to yeah. have anyone down there dealing with that. And they let her, you know, bring a friend with her. They even, like, let her, like, she got a little drunk beforehand, so she had, like, the <laughs> courage to go. And they were totally, like, fine with it. And it was just very aware of every single thing that goes into, like, it's not just a doctor's appointment. It's this very, like, intimate, invasive experience that not a lot of people understand or are comfortable with. And at the very least, like, this location that I went to seemed to be just all-encompassing, almost like in a homeopathic way, where it, like, looked beyond the fact that they're looking at your vagina. <laughs> like, there's more going on there. So for me, I find it to be a very important resource for people and people I know. Because the people that I know have gone there, it and exactly what you just said, it sounds like it's kind of like a catch-all for women's health. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just about abortion. Um, yeah, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's everything. And it's like, mm, they also teach you. Yeah. Like, our country definitely does not have the greatest sex education. Yeah. I happened to go to a school district where we did have somewhat of a decent sex education. But, you know, in places where they teach abstinence only, as that's uh, as if that was effective, and then a girl goes into Planned Parenthood, like, she might be learning things about her body that literally no one ever told her before. And that's such an important resource for a scared teenage girl that I don't know why anyone would want to take it away other than you're an old white man who doesn't understand why someone would need help in that situation. Are there some Planned Parenthoods now that I feel like I heard this. I don't have a source for it. I feel like I heard that there were some that were actually talking about like female orgasms and like how to have one and like where a clitoris is and like they'll actually like talk to women about pleasure in sex and not just like reproduction because like you were saying like if you don't know that a lot of women just have never experienced those things before because it's not discussed and I feel like I had heard something about that I don't know I don't remember reading that but I can yeah. easily imagine that they would even just have like someone at the clinic being like oh like is this happening because it should be yeah, you should, like, you should you know. be you should be enjoying yourself. Yeah. Like, are you are you are you having fun? If you're not having fun, I don't know why you're doing this. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that's definitely something. Like, I've been asked like about sexual history, and obviously like, they don't press you. Like, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. But I feel like I was asked like, oh, are you like enjoying yourself? Like everything's fine, and it was like yeah, like they want to make sure that you're healthy, you know, and safe. Normally, like, but yeah. I felt so safe when I went to Planned Parenthood as like a teenager. Like it was it was fine. It was like not judgy. Yeah, not at all. You know? I didn't feel judged at all. Like, I feel like I could have said the weirdest shit. And like, and they'd be I, like, all right. <laughs> yeah, and they've said it. Like, the nurse was like, don't worry. I've heard some really, like, effed up shit. You're Absolutely. fine. <laughs> you can Absolutely. say whatever you And, like, you growing want. up in, like, Catholic, Irish, Italian family that doesn't talk about anything, you know, that was, like, a really important thing for me growing up. Like, oh, I can go here. They're not going to tell my parents, and I can just get the resources and the help that I need. Yeah. 
And they, they want to prevent abortion. They don't want people to have to make right, that like decision. They, you know, they're not <laughs> like lining up decision. like, you know, everybody come in. It's abortion time. Yay. <laughs> it's, it's not like a ha- I don't I don't understand why there's like this preconception that women like would love to have an abortion and it'll be a fun time. Like, I'm pretty certain that most women are sad that they have to make the decision and they would have rather not have made it. And, like, it's not like people are lining up with balloons. Like, I can't wait to have my abortion today. It's, like, such, like, a weird... I honestly think it comes from the whole women should be punished for having sex outside of a marriage. And I think so much of the hatred over birth control and the hatred over abortion Mm -hmm. and women who seek help for any of that comes from this very Puritan fundamentalist um, root in our society that if a woman is having sex, like if she's choosing to have multiple partners or if she's having sex outside of a marriage, like she needs to be punished for that. She should like, she's not doing the right thing. And that's where we get people like, what was the Georgetown university? student from a couple of years ago when Obamacare was first coming out and like she talked about birth control and the next thing I knew like everyone was calling her an ugly slut oh that was what? the one Rush Limbaugh went on that whole rant yes. about right what yes. was her name I, I don't remember and it, it's really bothering me that I don't remember but he went on this whole rant about how like he's paying for her birth control so she can have a lot of sex like that's with how other it works people. Sandra Fluke Sandra it yes. was I was Sandra okay but like that. And I don't know if they're mad that the women aren't having sex with them or if it's like, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why they hate us so much and why they want us to be in marriages and having sex. I mean, it's about, I mean, I've written papers about this and it's a very like, I feel like it, sometimes it feels not quite real because it, it seems distance from our own experiences. But I think a lot of it stems from this, like, jealousy in terms of, you know, women can grow human beings. It's a horrifying, weird, powerful thing. And I think it's threatening to people. And I think it's scary. I think it, I mean, when we consider, you know, humans actively spend their whole lives resisting death and mortality, and then you have this, this person in front of you that is kind of embodying both of those ideals. It's this control of life that men don't have. And so, if they can control it in any other way possible, they're going to. I mean, and like I said, like, it's a very, like, every day you don't really see it that way. But I feel like if you look at it as, like, a historical pattern of just, like, wanting to control that, that that is partially where that stems from. Yeah, and I would absolutely agree with that. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> you guys make guess... babies? <laughs> what? Holy shit. <laughs> like, if th- you think about it, it's fucking, like, that's insane that's like (laughs) it's it's really nuts and amazing and like I personally don't know if I could do it but when I you know because when I read about like what happens to a woman's body when that happens and when you're pregnant you're growing a human being it's does it freak you out (laughs) it freaks me out so much it's so scary but like that's why when women have children I'm so impressed and like in absolutely because it's it's a hard like your brain chemistry changes like your body i mean like helen you've had a child like yeah like oh yeah i've done please talk about that uh, (laughs) well it's fucked up y'all like it really is like you not only build an entirely new human being who will eventually be an autonomous unit from you but like your body creates an extra organ your your blood content doubles it is 
Yeah, it's just you're it just so totally full of blood. <laughs> you're <laughs> it's coming out of your eyes, coming out of your wherever. Yeah. Oh my god. You're not smart enough or strong enough to do that without a man's help. So they're just going to try to control every other thing they can because they can't physically be inside of you again as a child to control it. So they're going to try and control it from the outside. I don't know if you guys have ever looked into, like, the history of how men have tried to... Or, like, the crazy things that men have said about, like, different, like, things that women have done for freedom. But, like, when bicycles came around, they were, like, horrible because they would turn women into lesbians. (laughs) It all goes back to, like, your clitoris. Like, Absolutely. Like, like every single thing that they argue against that women do, it, if, if you like just dissect their arguments, it just comes down to the clitoris. <laughs> or wandering womb syndrome? Yeah, the wandering, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that one. Like, I read an amazing book for my thesis that was about how it all stemmed from like Greek anatomy and, and, and Greek culture and how yeah. they looked at like hysteria and the wandering mm-hmm. womb and like the, the you know, period blood and all this like, re- and so like women were seen as sacrifices because they bleeding was a normal part of their like day to day it was like oh well they're already bleeding they're already sacrificing something so we can just use them as our kind of sacrificial lamb and it's like a really like fascinating effed up (laughs) history that you can even see up until today which is like remarkable because you'd think people would have changed by now but no (laughs) no (laughs) of course not why would they (laughs) i mean i don't have much to add to that Ryan, you don't want to tell us how to feel about our own bodies? I mean, I... (laughs) You know you do. (laughs) All I'll say is that uh, the woman body is complicated. (laughs) The woman woman body. (laughs) And one thing I would like to say is we've been talking a lot about women, biological women... And I don't want to send the message that we do not that we're excluding trans women. No, trans women. But if women we're talking about things like abortion rights, there's obvious reasons why we have to get into the biology of it. Yeah. And like sex ed and stuff like that. But I definitely I'm not I'm not a turf. Fuck turfs. Fuck turfs. <laughs> but you know, I just I think that's an important caveat to make. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I say the word wo- like women, I mean if you call yourself a woman, then you're a woman. Yeah. Yes. I you know. Cool. So I have one last question for you three. Are you ex- are you ready? I'm so, <laughs> well, I'm so pumped. So I'm my seat. after I've spent this whole episode asking you to tell me all about women's issues, Daryl has a question. Do you have a victim's responsibility, and he uses the term in quotes, to educate people on women's issues? Like, I see this a lot with with uh like when we talk to minorities and they're like, I'm sick of having to explain to white people every single day. Like, that I have to educate them on why they're, like, bad allies or why institutional racism exists and stuff like that. And I've seen this happen a lot with trans people where I have trans friends that they're like, my whole life is not, I'm, if I wanted to be a teacher, I would be a teacher. I don't have to explain to cis people why trans people deserve to exist every day. Do you, do you feel like the task falls on you too often or is it appropriate that you should be the one to explain this to male allies? It's 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 not something I'm I'm dealing with necessarily on a daily basis in a way that I would consider oppressive, but um, at least when I'm interacting on on the internet, it is something I probably encounter on a daily basis, and it's it's usually <laughs> uh, my having to explain why something is shitty and explaining that the shitty thing is not rare and then 
the benevolent male who's been listening to my explaining why something is shitty then thanks me for educating him and saying I'm so glad you were able to bring your woman's opinion here. Oh god. <laughs> your your lady brain opinion. They mean it as kindly as they as they possibly can. But it's it does. It gets a little bit tiring to be valued not for my opinion, but for my woman's opinion. They also compare you to other women, and they're like, well, you're not like those feminazis. You actually took the time to explain it to me. And it's like, you know what? <sighs> women are allowed to get angry that they're constantly being asked these questions that you should, to some extent, already have the fucking answer. Or at the very least, you can go out of your way to find the answer yourself, instead of relying on all the benevolent women who will take their time to mother you to the reality of life. Like, Mm-hmm. that like i i think it's a balance i don't mind explaining things to people but at the same time like that shouldn't fall all on me all the time and it obviously depends on who it is you're speaking to i think i'm actually gonna go the positive route on this one <laughs> i have i have a really nice anecdote that i think you guys will enjoy i'm polly and i'm with two men right now and when i started dating both of them Obviously, one like was a year ago, and one I've been dating for like four and a half years. One was more politically active than the other, but still neither of them had really seen the women's side of things. Like they were, you know, they're very much on the left and they're very angry about what's happening. But it wasn't really until this last year that I saw them like not only like just from my constant being angry about it I guess they started picking up on things even like without me being there like they would say like like we'd be watching a tv show or something they'd be like wow that's really fucked up like why would he say that like why can't she just be this like have this job or whatever and it's really encouraging to see that like if I can get if I could get the ball rolling like they, you know, people do learn things. And if we keep talking about it, and if we keep putting it in their face, and we keep being shrill, like, eventually, it's going to sink in. And it's exhausting. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, at least light that I've been seeing personally. I think that's great. (laughs) (laughs) I have... I can also attest that Lauren is very mad and very informative most of the time. <laughs> like, like constantly. Yeah, yeah, it's work, but it's work worth doing. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, so. absolutely. And obviously, I think there are some people, like, regardless of how patient you are, that they're just not, it doesn't really matter what you say, which is frustrating. And then, but then, you know, you get certain people that are totally open to it and it's fine and then you don't really mind it but you can tell you can tell when you're in a conversation with someone that's not going to go anywhere yeah and then it gets you have to decide to like right. give up <laughs> i think we need to acknowledge that like we're coming at it from like a white feminist perspective yeah mm-hmm. whereas uh women of color have a completely different experience in their feminism yeah. and their constant having to explain not just like what white privilege is, but like male privilege. Uh huh. They and like I can easily. I'm not certainly not comparing having as a white woman explaining feminism to people who care about my opinions to a woman of color explaining feminism and racism to like a society that doesn't even want to acknowledge that privilege exists. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. I would never make that comparison. 
And one of the things, too, that I think is important to note is, like, I would much rather hear, you know, why something's sexist or anything from a woman than from a man. But I don't think... I think if you're asking for, like, explanations and stuff, they should... You should never feel like they're obligated to teach you. Like, if, if somebody wants to explain something, that's awesome, and I'll try my hardest to listen, but... If someone's like, this is really sexist, and then it's like, well, explain to me all the reasons. They don't have to tell you why. And, like, that's something that I think a lot of men forget. It's like, well, why, I'm trying to learn, and I'm not, like, one of those guys that doesn't care about your opinion, so, like, you should drop what you're doing and teach me. Like, that's obnoxious. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, it's like, if you're that curious about why someone is saying it's sexist, like, maybe you should you know, go do some reading on your, like that we all had to do in yeah. order to have more articulate opinions about why that is sexist. And like, if your first like instinct is to be like defensive and like, no, it's not sexist. Well, like if a woman is saying something is sexist or a person of color is saying something is racist, you don't get to make the decision that it's not. Yeah. You know, like, okay. Like you're saying this is sexist, then I guess it's sexist. And if you don't want to explain to me, I guess I have to figure out why, just like Alana was saying. Yeah. I think that that's definitely good advice. (laughs) (laughs) So does anybody have anything they want to add? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm so tired. Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid about what's going to happen in the days following this recording. And then when it goes up, yeah welcome welcome to the podcast <laughs> oh my gosh like any anything could have i still have all this salt that i, I haven't poured I mean, over I anything actually, i just got a text from a female friend that just said just legit almost ran over a shitty shit man <laughs> <laughs> said i'm getting gas and the fucking gas attendant starts harassing me oh. he was like how are you doing and i was like good and he said that's it i asked how you were doing how are you doing and he kept being rude dick and i put my car in gear and was like you better move because i'm fucking going <laughs> and then i read my engine at him and he apologized and shut the fuck up and pumped my gas <laughs> and then she goes which she says, I'm annoyed, but I feel like I scared him, which makes me feel better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I got that text while we were having this conversation. So it's a thing. <laughs> I don't know if men understand, like, how every single day when we go outside, like, we just feel like everyone watching us. Yeah. Like, every... I don't know how to put this, but every time you're walking home at night, like, or just walking around at night, you're in, like, a constant sense of, like, okay, like, there's there's a dark thing coming up here, there's a bar, if someone comes out, like, I gotta be able to do this. Like, there's so much, like, like tactical strategy that yeah. I have to do when I just want to go take a walk or go to, like, the store before it closes at 1130 at night mm-hmm. that I just don't think men ever think about. You know what's a good male ally move? I know I know men who have done this. If you're walking down the street and you're like walking on a sidewalk and there's a woman behind you or there's a woman in front of you, cross the street and walk on the other side of the street. Like if she's walking alone by herself and you're like when there's someone walking behind me, I I cannot like I it's horrifying. It is such a horrifying feeling. And so if if you're walking behind a woman on a street at night and she's alone and you're alone, just cross the fucking street and don't walk behind her so she can see you. Don't try and like like pass her because then like like we feel you coming up behind us. Yeah. <laughs> and don't walk slower because then we're like, oh, do we like? Are they trying to like make sure that we don't notice them? What's yeah. going on? So that sounds. It's so tough to be a man walking at night. You got to remember all these rules. 
That's a joke. That is a joke. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, kill you. Ryan, I literally read an article about male privilege and that, uh, not, I'm sorry, about female privilege. Oh, Jesus. Female and that privilege. was one of the things. It's like, like, women don't have to worry that people will think that they're a rapist. And I was like, what? We have to worry about being raped That's tonight. like the same argument of, like, about? racism's bad, but so is someone thinking you're racist. It's like, no, yeah. one, is, one yeah. is worse. One is definitely one worse. One is like, definitely worse. That's just the, ugh. It's all ego. It's, like, ego and, like, and just, like, how dare, like, when you try to explain racism to someone, you, like, can't use the word racism. Because even if you try to explain it, like, as a systemic thing, they're like, well, you're calling me a racist. And they think that you're envisioning them, like, wearing a white hood, riding a horse, like, in front of a burning cross or something. And it's like, that's not at all what I'm talking about. It's almost like like there's different degrees of racism and sexism. And it's not just, like, (laughs) rapists or, like, heroes. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. I think we're done here. <laughs> yeah. Good so, job. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me. I thought that it was really nice to have different voices than obnoxious Phil Sly and Daryl. <laughs> so, no, but I really, I really appreciate it. And I thought this was an awesome conversation. And I, Phil's gone for a month. Maybe we'll have to do it again. Yeah, thanks for having us. You should yeah, definitely, no, like, so every once in a while, invite at least one lady to join yeah. in the vo- the chorus of, of men podcast episodes. Yes. We'll have to take uh, it up with head uh, chauvinist Sly. In- including your, <laughs> he's not, like, comic he's not really podcast, because I know there's lots of ladies on the Facebook page that also read comic books. We do. Know. We love comics. Okay. Yeah, Is we do. F- fine. I like I'm getting bullied! But, okay. <laughs> no, I <laughs> think... Ryan, man. we're sorry that we're, we've invaded your safe space. I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> bunch of, bunch of feminazis. <laughs> we're going full Lysistrata here. Where, where, wherever would we be without you, a male, to facilitate our discussion? I know, right? Just we trying to trying now. to use my voice of privilege to give a voice to the disenfranchised. You know, that's a that's that's like what Bernie Sanders done, man. He stands like he, when he has a, a a rally for Black Lives Matter. He doesn't talk. He lets them all speak, and he steps aside. That's like gave him a platform, and then he fucked off, which is fine with me. Cool. So you heard it here first. I'm basically Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is Bernie Sanders. Congratulations. Cool. So just real quick, I want to give a plug to our podcast network, Comrade Radio. And I'm going to let Helen give the plug because it should be for your show. Oh, hey, thanks so much for giving me this platform, man. <laughs> um, so uh, as mentioned before, I, my podcast is called Falling in Love Montage. I co-host with my sister, Valerie, and it's a feminist look at chick flicks and... And chick flicks. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> it's also that at comraderadio.com. I might have to listen to that. It's really good. I like it. I've listened to a couple of episodes and I really, really do enjoy it. Yes. I was actually really excited to do this podcast with you. <laughs> oh. Yay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so thanks, everyone, for listening to Oops, I Talk Politics. I've been the ultimate male ally using his voice to talk over all the ladies. <laughs> uh, I've been bleeding out of my wherever. <laughs> I've been obsessed with Sigmund Freud and wandering wombs. <laughs> and I've been a crayon scribbled drawing of Donald Trump. Oops, I ended the podcast. Comraderadio.com, Independent Podcasting Network.